what's up, everyone? This is the Italian Bob Pod. Go along, go along, TD.com. Bob, how in the hell are you on your Grand Mac tour across <laughs> the great state of Michigan? You took it another one tonight. Ypsilanti tonight over at the, well, it used to be the Convocation Center at Eastern Michigan University, renamed the George Gervin Center after the NBA, uh, formerly the Huron Great. Anyway, they played Central Michigan, which had nine players in uniform. Five or six must have been down with uh, for medical reasons. And the final was Eastern Michigan, 99. The Chippewas fire up chips, 68. <laughs> it was bad, really bad. But, Pat, we stayed till the end. Start to finish. Yeah. Row three, midcourt, 12 bucks. About 400 to 425 people there, I counted, in the 10,000-seat Gervin Center. When we were, when we were talking before, it's weird how your brain processes things differently. I thought you said 4,200, 400. Oh, four to 425, yeah. Wow. That's kind of sad. I mean, we've talked about it before. Isn't it sad that people just don't want to go out and do something? on a Tuesday night, yeah. $10 to $12. <clears throat> I mean, it's cold, 15 degrees, so what? I mean, you can park right next to the door at this place. It's a beautiful building. What about Imagine students? The, Were there many students there? Like none. Wow. Uh, can you imagine what those players feel when they're out there, huh? It's just like another practice, man, against yeah. another team in different color jerseys. You're a division one recruit. You choose to go to this school. You're yeah. You're, I mean, it's basically a full-time job. You're working out in the morning, you're watching film, you're practicing, you're yep. playing on network television and no, your, your own damn students don't even really want to come out and watch you. That's, it's kind of sad. <clears throat> Good coaches. Uh, Stan Heath for Eastern Michigan. He's had three division one head jobs in the past. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Tony Barbie for um, CMU. He's head coach at Auburn for four years. He's been an assistant with Calipari at Kentucky for like the last five. You know, these guys, uh, they've been around the block. They know how to coach. And yet these guys have been in the SEC and they've been in, you know, big leagues. Stan Heath was at uh, South Florida when I was at Syracuse. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was their coach. He was an ISO assistant. I mean, they're used to buildings jammed with 15,000 people, you know? And for this, huh? I will say, though, I mean, I can't tisk tisk this too much. I, I can vividly remember going to a Syracuse football game my first year at Syracuse. So it would have been my sophomore year. Greg yeah. Robinson, RIP, just passed. Yeah, really sad. Right. He was the head coach, um, and they were they were terrible. I mean, they were real. They were really really bad. And the one game they really tried to hype up that year was Penn State came to the dome, and it was um, the big Ernie Davis game. They were they were renaming the field Ernie Davis Field. That might have been right around when the movie came out on Ernie Davis. Oh. Um, I think I think Disney put it on right, and. I don't know, it was a big, big to do, big pregame ceremony. Penn State comes in and they just demolish Syracuse from the jump. I mean, Cameron Dantley is the quarterback and it's not even close. And like, I, that, was, that was before I started covering the team and stuff. So I, me and my college roommate were like, all right, let's just go check it out. Let's go to the game. We left, we left. The first quarter wasn't even over and we left. 
you know, Saturday. I'm like, oh, let's just do something else with our Saturday. And there were like older alum that were, they were scolding us for leaving. Like, where are you guys going? Your students here. Don't you care? And we just kind of squinted and we looked up at the score. I don't even know what it was at the end of one and, and just said, yeah, no, we're, we're out of here. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe these, maybe these college kids, they, they want to, they want to do some drinking on a Tuesday night. I mean, maybe, maybe we can't even blame them. I don't know. They're not yeah, exactly it's... Bob and Pat McGinn, you know, out for a nice entertain, <laughs> nice entertainment Tuesday night, you know, they're, they're doing flip cup and keg stands and, you know, hanging out with the co-eds. So it's a different, different stage yep. of life, Bob. I, I, you know what? I just talked myself out of my original point. I good for them. They're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of roundabout me, analysis 20, you get here. I'm 22 minutes away from Mac action. I can sit anywhere I want for cheap and see really, you know, pretty darn good basketball. So <clears throat> I got Michigan, but that's a battle to get in that stub up for tickets. You know, that's mm. a 15 minute walk for me. And, uh, you know, how much does a Michigan Wolverines basketball ticket go for in a big 10 game? You know, I don't even know, Tyler, there's, there's an upper level and a lower level split evenly, like 6,000 seats in each at Chrysler center. And I only, I just go stub up cause I want to sit in the lower level. And so I'll, I'm willing to pay for lower level 40, 45 bucks. Okay. That's about it. And I'm only going to go to the good games. And the ones that fans don't go to are the 9 p.m. Eastern starts on weekday nights. Tickets are plentiful for those. It's the Saturday games and the 7 p.m. weekdays that are a little tougher. Michigan's in the middle of a COVID thing, though. They've had a couple games canceled. I don't know when the heck they're going to be playing again. Oh, it's going to get us all just ripped through Western New York. Pretty good. We all got it. Really? So yeah. Yeah. A lot of these teams are going to get set back. I mean, I'm sure the NFL is bracing for impact. I mean, now it's the playoffs. Now <laughs> you really don't want to have an outbreak. You, nobody wants to see, uh, no, I don't know. You know, a, a second string quarterback against a third string quarterback in a playoff game, but. So Tyler changing the subject. Um, Part three was as good as part one and part two on the gents. Uh, <laughs> tremendous you. reporting, tremendous insight on that team and that organization. I mean, really, you don't see stories like that, Tyler. And you got this thing chapter and verse. You cut to the chase on that organization and all the malaise there and the problems with nepotism and the family and this uh, mainstream, you know, blue cut, not... Oh, I don't know what I want to say. Traditional team. And so now they're all fired, aren't they? And we'll see what happens. Just about everybody that isn't, you know, part of that protected class, it seems. Um, but thank you very much. Yeah. It's honestly, I'm a little, I guess I'm mildly surprised. I mean, it got so bad. They didn't really have a choice. I think the scene there at MetLife Stadium, which is already a concrete, you know, ugh, just slab of concrete, just. No character, insipid, as you would say. Great word, Bob. Remember you used that. And the fans got bags over their head. There, a fan is yelling at John Mara. You know, prioritize football, not family. I think everything kind of added up. And then you look at the product, and Joe Judge obviously is calling this quarterback sneaks. It's just a joke. He's surrendering. They, right. They had to do it. I really think that, you know, with three games to go, they were set to 
to keep and, and even promote Joe Judge, kind of slide Kevin Abrams into that GM role and uh, truck along, you know, with, with the status quo because that's what the Giants tend to do. But it got so bad so fast. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to, it's they, they genuinely want to see the New York Giants be successful. You know, like I, I don't think it's not a um, bitterness and a grudge with the whole franchise and just wanting to stick it to them. I mean, these are some people that spent years, decades with the team. And they're just, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're the first to say, yeah, I'm bitter. I got fired. They're, 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 you know, some of these guys are pissed off. They got fired. I don't think they deserved it, but they're merrily pointing out what they saw, what they witnessed. Um, you know, and so parts one, two, and three, we tried to detail that all and it's bad. It's objectively it bad. And um, I think <clears throat> the team was operating in this state of delusion for a while. And I, I thought to an extent they'd kind of stay in that delusion. I don't think Chris Maris coming off the, the top of that personnel chart anytime soon, as <clears throat> one person said, right. You're, what are you going to do? Fire your family. But they are, they're going to bring in a GM, you know, now you can get a good GM because that, person isn't interviewing and thinking oh my god do i gotta work with joe judge here and do i gotta right. work with daniel jones there aren't any pretenses like right. there were the last time around with eli manning um a gm can come in assess the the whole operation and hire their own coach make a decision at quarterback and that's absolutely what they had to do so yeah yes uh credit you know john mara and steve tish it's funny they're co-owners but you know it doesn't seem like tish has done much for <laughs> for a long time. Maybe he's coming out of the woodworks for this. Um, it seems like they're willing to actually bring in an outsider, which has been sorely needed. So they had Joe judge for two and before him, Pat Shermer for two and before him, McAdoo, Ben McAdoo for two. Is that right? Right. right. Any, any winning seasons in those six years? McAdoo had the one 11 and five season, Okay, um, but you can even take it back you know, before that, and they made the playoffs once in 10 years. Um, God, it was my story. Their winning percentage the last five years is 225, something like that. And the Jaguars yes. are two wins better than them. Um, it's it's abysmal. I mean, it's awful. And, I, you know, you can't even – and you know what, Bob? You, it's not even like you can prop up McAdoo and, and look back at the good old – I mean, that was a bad hire. Really? And yeah. they, 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 they bring him in, and he's – yeah, got that archaic offense from Mike McCarthy, and it's—I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're kind of putting up empty stats, and they kind of just promote him, and it's—it's it's not good. There's no misdirection, no unpredictability. Um, you know that big suit that he wore at his press conference, his first. Yeah, I mean, I was told he wore—he dressed like that all the time. He was like, you know, he was always kind of the same. Now he did love Patrick Mahomes. That's for real, which is kind of funny. He, he wanted to get his hands on him in the worst way. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. That was a bad one. Shermer was bad because he thought Eli had something left when he didn't have something. But, you know, and also what's Shermer going to say, too? I, he wants the job and he wants to be liked. And that's kind of the problem there. It's all you're all you're all kind of operating under this umbrella of do what you think you've got to do here. And you know, somebody's got to come in and just take a hacksaw to it. Well. Well, okay, T, shall we uh, move into this big tilt here last Sunday? Yeah, we got to clean up the uh, the regular season, Bob. Let's clean it on up. The Packers oh. strolled on in. The 
Ford Field is it's still called Ford Field, right? Yeah. yeah. Anything oh yeah. They strolled on in there and the Lions gave them fits. Oh, uh, when the starters played, the Lions were ahead 17-13, you know. And then the Lions, of course, played everybody and everything trying to get this victory, which they got. And the pack did some substituting. We'll talk about that by position. Uh, Detroit entered this game with nine starters out. And they lost. They had nine starters out. Yes. This team has been decimated. And they lost. They were terrible to begin with. Right. And Green Bay had six starters out in this game, and they lost one during the game. I keep talking turnover differential. Green Bay goes minus three, and they lose the league lead. They finished plus 13 for the season. They are minus three in the opener against New Orleans, got hammered, minus three here and get beat. Um, and they finished tied for second at plus 13 on the turnover. Green Bay didn't have a penalty in this game and still lost. I'll tell you one thing. I've noticed the, officiate, the officials, not many penalties were called this weekend. They are way down right now, and it's great. And I hope it continues into the playoffs. Thank God. They've swallow, swallowing those whistles, man. It's been great stuff. Um, all right, T, let's go, okay? All right. First off, let me, just, let me just get your gut reaction, Bob. Sure. I mean, should I, before we even get into anything, is this mm-hmm. a legit cause for concern to any degree? I, I, the Packers didn't really have anything to play for. I think that kind of matters when you don't have that umph to you in a game. Um, but you did lose to the Lions. You were losing when you had a lot of your guys out there. Um, the defense, eh, we'll get into it. But just right. generally, I mean, is, is there is there a concern? With <clears throat> if you would, if you would have, if you would have beaten the Lions convincingly with a really good performance with this uh, patchwork outfit you played with, my guy, you go in there feeling invincible. Now, some people might think that's bad. I don't. I just think that confidence would just be swelling going two weeks from now in that first game. The opponent was saying, "God dang, we got to play the Packers up there." They just they're fourteen and three. 14 and three sounds a lot better than 13 and four. You know, I mean, there's other teams, 13 and four. I don't know. Losing's never good, Tyler. I could tell the floor looking at his face at the end of that game. He was pissed. He didn't want to lose that game to these, you know, this rag, ragtag injured Detroit outfit. Um, no way. And uh, I don't think it helps at all. Uh, yeah. Their defense has been kind of shredded here for a lot of weeks other than, that Viking game with Sean Mannion, but uh, they've given up a lot of yards and they really haven't been too explosive on offense. So we'll get into this by position, but I don't think it's a good thing. No, I don't. Good to know. Yeah. It's, I think that's kind of what fans are, are wondering here. How, how worried should they be into this thing? But yeah, get it, get it rolling, Bob. All right. Receivers got three, as you know, max footballs, five minimum one half. Receivers got three, O-line, two and a half, QBs got one, running back, three and a half, D-line, two and a half, linebacker, one, DB, one, kickers, two and a half, special teams, four, overall, two. Stars of the game, number one, Dean Lowry, the D-lineman, two, Josiah DeGora, the tight end fullback, and three, Mr. Allen Lazard, the wide receiver. All right, so let's go to the receivers on offense. The max uh, 
The max snap count was 68. Devontae Adams played 22. Alan, uh, Alan Lazard, 21. Valdez Scantling, 15, left with a back injury. Amari Rogers paid, played 31, almost all in the slot. St. Brown, 51. Jawan Winfrey, 44. Cobb was injured, and uh, Taylor remains on IR. So, uh, you know, they're playing against backup quarter, cornerbacks, Akuda and <laughs> how do you pronounce Oruwari. They're injured, so they're they're playing with a, a safety. Chris Will Harris moves from free safety to cornerback the last two three weeks. He's starting out there covering people. And the rookie of Ifiadu Melafanu, I think he's a fourth round pick. He's out there. I'll tell you what, Aaron Glenn has been mentioned for, uh, I think he's had a, he's got an interview set up as a head coach. Aaron Glenn did some wonderful stuff against Green Bay that I haven't seen other defensive coordinators do. They had, they had Rodgers and later Love confused at times in the red zone with backup people. I, the Lions look like a decent club in this game. Uh, that's all I can say. You know, we know they're not, but they could be with all the, they got three picks in the top 34 this year. Then they got two number ones again in 2023. So they got a chance to move up in a division that's now suddenly uh, turned upside down yeah. with the firing of the coach and GM, both in Chicago and Minnesota. Okay. Um, you know, let me just say this. I watched that Ram game in the Niners on Sunday. And um, I've seen Cooper Cup probably five or six games. I've watched a lot of ball this season, probably more than I have in years. And um, I mean, how could anybody say Cooper Cup isn't the best wide receiver in the game right now? Tyler, I saw one play where he was used to lead from, he was over in a tight wing position and he motioned, it didn't motion, he just moved at the snap went up as if he was a pulling guard into the center through the line. And I think it was on the, the strong safety or a will backer. He took him on in the hole, like an ISO. I mean, can you imagine Devon Adams being asked to do that? I mean, number one, it wouldn't happen in a million years. And number two, he wouldn't do it. I mean, he just would flat walk off the field. <laughs> Cup is, is acrobatic. <laughs> He's fast. He's got fantastic hands. Yeah, he's got a lot of targets, and for good reason. He deserves them. This guy's numbers and the way he's playing the game are – he's the number one wide receiver in the business right now. Um, Adams uh, on third and fourth. I agree, by the way. He's unbelievable. I mean, he is. Yeah. It's, um, you watch a Rams game, and I don't know where they would be without him. And he's playing with Matthew Stafford. He's, he's only known for eight months. I mean, Adams has been with Rodgers for eight years. I mean, yeah, they should be in sync, which they are, you know, sometimes miraculously so. But, you know, there's more to great wide receivers than what we've seen in Green Bay all year. Um, on third and four, he slipped the linebacker, uh, Reeves Maben, for a catch for five. Really nice. On third and ten, they threw him a bubble out there gained 11 when he should have been tackled at the line of scrimmage by the nickel AJ Parker beautiful play he was blanketed deep by uh, Melifanu on a, a takeoff route incomplete that kind of shook I was surprised at that um 
you know, he's got utter disdain, doesn't he? He catches these passes and he just spins that ball. I mean, he would never just hand it to the referee or anything, you know. I mean, he's he's the the pinnacle of athletic arrogance, which is all good, I guess, you know. It depends on your cup of tea. But he had a tremendous year. Alan I want to hear from people right now, like in the comments, is that your cup of tea or not? I'm interested if people like that or not. I don't know. I think it might be 50-50. Packer fans would all love it, but the normal football fan, I have no idea. That's just the way I see it. Okay, Alan Lazard. They got reasonable um, readers here. I don't know. I think it's clearly closer than you think. First play, he's reading the linebackers on the move. He saw it too deep. He sat down, and the completion was worth 28 yards. The guy's reading on the move now, and he's finding windows. Um, sat down for 28. On third and three, he won in the slot over there against uh, Parker, a gain of eight. He slipped, uh, he slipped Will Harris in the end zone for a one-yard touchdown. I mean, the play was beautifully uh, defended by Detroit, but Lazard and then Rodgers saw it happening. Lazard found that window for a one-yard touchdown. Um, oh, okay. And then he, he shifted into a slot position on the right. That's where Lazard often lines up, you know, because he's going to be doing some heavy duty blocking, which he likes. Well, on this one, they got Aaron Glenn. They had man coverage on an over route by the linebacker. Um, 55, the rookie Purdue, Derek Barnes. Whew. And of course it's a mismatch and Lazard cut on a tight diagonal into that corner and it was a well-thrown ball but and a really well-run route Barnes had as good coverage as a linebacker you could ask 29-yard touchdown MVS uh, did not win on an in route uh, against Reeves Maben and then retired after 15 plays with a back have no idea the severity so then it came to uh uh St. Brown, who we'll get into this later with love, he was open deep on a chance to uh, tie the game and poorly thrown ball. But St. Brown didn't do much in uh, team high 51 snaps. Amari Rogers, uh, he played 31 season high, twice as many as he's ever played before. He's an odd looking dude out there, Tyler. He just does not look like a modern-day NFL wide receiver. I don't know. He's got to lose weight. We've said this five times, but he made a nice crack back on Reeves Maven on a carry for 12. On the two-point play that fell incomplete, St. Brown, Winfrey, and um, Rodgers all lost. They could not, didn't win their routes, and the ball was thrown incomplete. Rodgers, I give him credit. He blocked uh, the safety, Dean Marlowe, for a long time on the 62-yard touchdown run uh, past reception to uh, DeGora. He had two catchable balls, and they both fell incomplete. Man, he was – they put him out wide by himself one time, Tyler, and he ran a speed out from out there for five yards. I thought, well, wonders never cease. Okay, Jawan Winfrey. They don't fumble in Green Bay, Tyler. They haven't fumbled in four or five games. And he fumbled. He got stripped by uh, A.J. Parker. He was kind of carrying it like a loaf of bread. He had two arms on it on that flat, but it wasn't high and tight. And they pounced on it. And that, uh, that 
helped the Lions get a touchdown. Um, he made an excellent block on uh, on Marlowe on a 26-yard uh, pass. Um, and he made a tough low catch on fourth and two, gain of two. You got to give Winfrey credit for that. At tight end, um, I mean, if you ask Mercedes Lewis to win as a receiver, it's just not going to happen. And he had he never played a, a snap on special teams all year, but he is a tough blocker at the point of attack. There's no question. He killed the defensive end, Julian Aquara, the outside backer. He knocked him 10 yards down the field on a gain of nine at the point of attack. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. And then they gave him and they put him up against Aquara, man to man and a pass protection you don't want to have. He gave up the strip sack on uh, Jordan Love. It was a poor job pass pro. The one drop was by Lazard. That's it on the, on the receivers, T. MVS is a biggie too. Yes. You might need to score points points in bunches. It, it might turn into a shootout at some point with a Rams, with, you know, with with even a Cardinals if they turn it on. Tampa Bay, obviously, they're they're throwing four or five touchdowns at a time. So yeah, I, I want you wonder on the injury, you wonder on the roll, you wonder on the trust level with with the quarterback who's I'm giving him some interesting body language at times. Um, this there's a point this season where, I mean, he has some big plays. I mean, remember last year he led the league in yards per reception. It seemed like he was even taking it to another level. Um, injuries haven't helped, obviously, but I think that they're gonna need a guy like that in the playoffs. I think at some point. So he gives you the vertical stretch that nobody else provides. Now Cobb apparently is ready to come off, uh, come off and be the third third wideout in these things. Now he hasn't played in like five or six games. Um, I like MVS too, you know. So, all right, let's go to the old line. Um, there were some all oh, the tight end snaps. Uh, Mercedes played twenty seventeen with his hand down. Tyler Davis twenty four twelve with his hand down. We'll get to Gora later. Okay, Bakhtiari makes his. Uh, 2021 debut he plays 27 snaps at left tackle he leaves in the middle of a series and Nijman comes in and plays the last 41 the left guard was a runyon for all 68 the center myers comes back he hasn't played since he got hurt in week six he plays 32 snaps leaves and then the interesting development was they started lucas patrick at right guard and they put Newman on the bench. So they feel Patrick is a better player than Newman, okay? And that we've never, never been made aware of. So then when Myers vacated after 32, Patrick went right to center for the final 36. Newman came in, played the final 36 at right guard. The right tackle was Kelly again for all 68. So seven linemen played. All right, the, the, the main development is how did Bakhtiari look, right? Um, he was up against a good player. Um, Charles Harris, the former number one pick who didn't do much for uh, at other places two, three years, he's been the Lions' best pass rusher, and he's really had a good year. They, I think he's a free agent. I mean, he's a good player. He's one of the better rushers I've seen against Green Bay. Out of and, nowhere, he's been great this year. Anytime I turn a Lions game on... He's doing something. 
really played good, Ty, uh, against the run, too. He's a fine football player. Yeah. Um, all right, Bakhtiari, you know, he's his eyes are on that ball. And one of the beauties of Bakhtiari is he's got that kick step, the first one getting that left foot back from left tackle. And he is, you know, one of the reasons he's hard to beat is he's, he gets such anticipation off the ball without false starting. He very seldom, he used to get those three, four years ago, but he looked in sync with himself and that the timing of the snap, he was really good with that. And that made Harris, I mean, it gave, gave Bakhtiari a huge head start. And his set, I mean, he was using short sets and deep sets. He, uh, he varied it, I thought. And he did a real good job for m- most of the time. But there was a few problems. Um, he got beat real bad when they moved the rookie, uh, the big man, Aleem McNeil, a nose. They're, they're hard up for defensive ends. And he played out over Bakhtiari on a play. And he displaced Bakhtiari like three, two to three to four yards back into the backfield on a carry by Dylan that went for no gain. Also, I watched him on every snap. He's very, he's very aware. I think he's very concerned about that knee and he should be. I mean, you know, he had the ACL and then he had a subsequent surgery. People thought he'd be back, you know, normally maybe October, November, say November. And it's been this long because of that second surgery. And um, he's got a big career ahead of him. He's kind of like walking on eggshells uh, to an extent. I mean, he was on the ground a little bit and um, he just, he's, he's wary of it. You can see it. He played pretty good when he could get in the classic set position in, in his pass pro. I liked it. One time he pancaked uh, the linebacker uh, Barnes from Purdue. He pancaked him in a run game. Um, but it was short and, you know, his conditioning, um, he, he got winded and he tapped out right in the middle of the series. Hmm. So we'll see. All right. Um, Myers, the center, we haven't seen him in a long time since he played four snaps at the bears in game six. Myers. Um, I didn't think he was very good. He allowed one knockdown and one hurry and it charged him with one half of a bad run. You know, He's a hulking player. He's a bigger presence in there than uh, Lucas Patrick. Um, he had two whiffs in there, though, against uh, the hardworking nose, John Penasini. That shouldn't be happening, but Penasini beat him. So he was rusty. And I don't know what they're going to do in this first game. You got, well, I mean, all these people have good DTs, you know, and you get to the, uh, second round of the playoffs. So we'll just see. Um, Lucas Patrick, he's playing guard. I mean, he got knocked on his ass really bad by Nick Williams, just an average guy, second play of the game. So, you know, he's, he's not used to playing guard. He hadn't played guard. First time he'd been a right guard this whole, this whole season, he played left guard the first game at new Orleans. And then he's been a center ever since. So that was a bit unfair, not unfair, but I mean, it's a different deal for him. Um, he got knocked down real bad by Reeves, may have been on a gain of two. And he had a, a, a he, he blocked 55. Uh, the Purdue guy, Barnes, on a touch, on the touchdown by DeGore on a screen, looked beautiful. They did some nice things in the run game on combos and then up to the second level. I thought Runyon did some really good things. Um, 
Runyon did not allow a, a, a pressure. Two out, two by Myers, one half by Patrick, one and a half by Kelly, one half by Newman, and two by uh, Nijman. Um, Runyon did a, had a, had a good game. Nijman, he got beat by uh, Charles Harris on, on a spin move for a knockdown. Um, so. I don't know. Is Bakhtiari and Myers just going to be ready in two weeks, uh, a week and a half from now, and just are they going to line those guys up? You would think so, but I'm not convinced that's the way to go. I'm really not. Bakhtiari's walking on eggshells. He'll be two weeks better physically. And Myers had a couple whiffs. Now, Newman is no great player at right guard. I've been talked to scouts about this guy, and, and he's an up and down player. He's He's had his share of whiffs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they think Patrick's better than Newman, so that's where we're at. But I don't think Nijman's that bad of a player either, and scouts agree. That's it on the old line, T. I think you're hitting on maybe the number one question facing Matt LaFleur and all the coaches right now is you've got this team that won 13 games, this team that's – grind it out some some ugly wins but they're wins to get the number one seed with yep. second stringers with third strings okay great you get you get all of these studs back it sounds really good on paper so darius smith jair alexander david bakhtiari randall cobb but you had this thing working you had this chemistry you know especially on the line i mean those those guys i mean they're, they're working together they're it's its own language up front with signals and calls and obviously Bakhtiari's played forever. You know, he's not gonna have a pr- any problem with the mental side of the game, but he hasn't, he hasn't played alongside these guys all season. You run the risk of, okay, here's a player who hasn't been around throwing him in there. And if you're going to throw anybody in there, I, w- I would think it's one of the best left left tackles in football. He's, he's proven that, but overall it, and LaFleur talked about this at his press conference. Like you, you do got to kind of think about, I bring in somebody into the nucleus. How are they going to play next to the guys that have been there all season long? Um, I don't think it's overthinking it because we've seen this before from Packers teams, from all teams that get healthy, get a guy back, but it's not like a magic wand. It's not a Midas touch and everything's, you know. So Tyler, you remember that the first playoff game you covered in 2011 was the giant game, right? Right. And wasn't Jennings just back from injury or some other people? Great. You point. mentioned that last week. You're right. I think it was Jennings. Um, God, that was a while ago. But yeah, they, they, it was a similar deal. I mean, they, they, well, they rested Rodgers in that last, in the finale against the Lions and they, they won it with, with Matt Flynn. Okay. Um, but yeah, there was also a bye week. There was also that a weird finale. There was some time. They weren't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, there's two schools of thought with that as well, but I'm just saying overall um, I'm with you. I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion either way, I guess. I think you'd still want him out there. If I were to, you know, gun to the head, I think I'd want Bakhtiari out there because he's a pro and he's been in the playoffs and you know, if he's, if he's out there, he's a hundred percent. Like I don't, but he won 13 games. I get that. argument too. I mean, I, I think, Bakhtiari is a far better goal than uh, Myers is, you know? For sure. Uh, 
Myers has been since week six. Yep. And then you've got Patrick at guard where he's a little bit more susceptible and he's not used to it really. And then you're playing Newman hmm. who's really played at a good backup level this year, I would say. So I don't know. Myers gives you bulk and he's smart. Patrick's had a pretty good year. Mm. Not great. Some people think he's a backup level player too, but the Packers think Patrick's better than Newman. So I don't know. All right. There's also, as uh, as the great Lil Wayne once said, scared money don't make no money, Bob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't be scared. Maybe you throw out all the best talent you can throw out there and say, screw it. By the way, as an aside, did you see Snoop Dogg on the Mannings a week ago Monday back there? Yeah, I wasn't on the Manning cast at that time, but you said it was it was great. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. All right, let's go to the QBs. Did you were you with... were you downloading all the Snoop Dogg that you could on your Spotify after that <laughs> no, spot, Bob? No. I'm sure curious though. All right. <laughs> let's go to I the QBs. I want a full Snoop Dogg report on the next podcast. Yeah. Go long orders. So I'm going to start with this, you know, Aaron Glenn, again, the guy really had a good year in Detroit, you know, with all these stupid injuries he had, he had a really good year and he blitzed the Packers. And don't, don't you think that the 49ers or the Rams or whoever, Arizona is not going to be checking this out. He sent five or more on 46.3%. And it wasn't just the young Jordan love. It was about split 50, 50 Rogers got it too. And he sent, six or more on 14.6%. I mean, those numbers, I think they're upstairs. I, they're the highest against Green Bay all year. And it worked. It worked. It really did. Rodgers was, he was confused in the red zone by these red tag cornerbacks that converted safety. I mean, are you kidding me? A rookie free agent, A.J. Parker at Nick. I mean, and the safeties are... Dean Marlowe at safety starting playing the whole game. Are you kidding? But they, they struggled and they, they were switching people off on the red zone beautifully. It looked like Rodgers was kind of locked on to Adams early on, you know, get him, get him the Jordy Nelson record, whatever that is. And then, you know, move on. And he was locked on him, but the lions were not going to give him just easy stuff. And um, I mean, twice Rodgers, he was into psych, he had all day a couple times and, and they were blitzing them. They come in, they were sending Parker off the corner. They must've done that about eight times, nine times. And twice Rogers just, he got sacks for no gain, but he was indecisive. He couldn't pull the trigger. They were taking Adams away. You don't think these opponents are going to be checking this out. That's the game plan to look at. And then, um, well, the sack, the, uh, yeah, both sacks. And then, you know, he ran the ball. He kept, he ran once for 70 and those two scrambles for zero. I mean, that's the last thing the Packers wanted him to do. He's got this, you know, foot injury and he's scrambling and he wasn't getting down real quick. I'm sure LaFleur was not real pleased about that. Rogers seemed to be having a good time, you know, the, the, the TV shots of his, uh, 
face, you know, he was kind of laughing it up. Uh, stakes weren't real high, obviously. He threw a couple of balls that were offline to 13 and 17. Um, that first touchdown drive, he got him down there, but it was sluggish, 74 yards, but it was not crisp. It went to third and fourth down. Um, he threw an RPO one time that I thought the ball should have been handed off. He threw the ball out to Adams, and he got cut down for a gain of one. They kept sending people at him, and they did not pay the price. He was dumping into the flats, and eh, the Lions will give that up. They don't care. Um, fourth and four, he would not risk an interception against the uh, against the Blitz. He threw in the flat to Degora. Degora got cut down for a gain of one. Detroit ball. He threw the good boot, uh, the good play action touchdown pass to. Uh, Lazard that I discussed earlier for 29 yards, that was a good ball. All right, so they take him out for the kneel down by Love at uh, the end of the half, and then Love gets the second half. Now, you know, Love's had a ton of practice reps for about six weeks. You know, Rodgers has hardly practiced at all. So this is his second year, and they're trying to win this game. He's got good offensive linemen in front of him. There's no stumble bums up in front of him. He's got the people that blocked all year long for Rodgers. Now he's got stumble bums at wide receiver, no question. <laughs> he's got Rodgers, <laughs> and he's got Winfrey, and he's got stumble bums. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's what Ron Wolf said. He said, Bob, I'll never put stumble bums in front of Brett on that offensive line. I'll never do it. <laughs> and he kept Smart. drafting guys, you know. Yeah. I mean, sitting, Lang, I don't know about Lang, but no. But he drafted Sitton and Rivera. No, maybe not Sitton. <laughs> Rivera, though. I can't remember. Verba. <laughs> and he missed on John Michaels, but he kept bringing in people or signing guys, man. He wouldn't. Ross Verba. Yeah. There's one for it. Bruce Wilkerson was the big one the Super Bowl year, right? Yep. And he kept signing guys. Got the Clifton, Tauscher. Dimmerman. He had Earl of Pearl Dotson, of course. But, yeah. you know, Brett had representative lines. <clears throat> Ron made sure of that. And Love had a good line in front of him. And the running backs were fine. He had Dylan for a lot of the third quarter. And then he had Taylor, who played well. All right. Was it very good? No, it wasn't very good. Um, his Kansas City appearance wasn't very good either. Now, I think back to Aaron Rodgers. And if he ever had to play in his second year, how would he have done? Well, his exhibition season that year was terrible. So he had his first and second exhibition seasons were brutal, bad body language, showing up teammates, inaccurate. He was a mess. Um, so is he any further along than Jordan Love? My answer is no. He would not have done the job had he had to play in the regular season. He made that turn. He got humbled. He understood what he had to do to try to win over the locker room, become more of a real leader, not just, you know, an elitist, uh, intellectual kind of a guy with hair slicked back. That's what he was those first couple of years. And it, it was not working. All right, with love. But we got to go by what we see, Tyler. And he had a ton of practice reps. It's not that he was stuck in there. And that's the concern, I guess. You know, if that screen pass for 62 yards and a touchdown, 
if Tracy Walker, who had a brilliant game, a strong safety, if he doesn't miss that tackle, that's a 10-yard gain, not a 62-yard touchdown. And Love's passer rating is going to be 31.6. You know, he fumbled in that Kansas City game. And I know we're comparing him to Rodgers, who never fumbles. That's one of his un, unrated, brilliant areas of far, the Rodgers game. He does not fumble on sacks. It's the most incredible thing. First drop back, boy, he fumbles and he gets beat. He held the ball 3.8. He had a chance to run. And uh, luckily he, re he recovered the ball, but he didn't sense pressure there and he got sacked from the right side. It wasn't the blind side either. He, he threw low on the left flat to uh, Degora. He was under center more. The floor had him under center a lot. And that really wasn't really working. And then he did a little bit better when he was in the shotgun in the fourth quarter. Um, he was forced to throw from a different platform when they knocked his bootleg receiver off one time and he threw low in the flat. Now he made a brilliant pass to the tight end, Tyler Davis, and that ball was dropped in the end zone by Davis. I didn't, I should have said that earlier. That was a terrible play by Davis. That was a 16 yard touchdown. Uh, although they later did get a touchdown. He made a nice fake on a two point run. Really liked it. Um, He made a, boy, oh, it's not his fault. There was terrible spacing by Rodgers and Degora twice in a trips formation to the right. I, one of those led to the interception. It was terrible, and that really wasn't on love. All right, the, the two interceptions. First one was tipped by Reeves Maven right at the line. I'm not calling it a drop by Rodgers. I mean, the ball was tipped and that just takes everything, you know, it just screws up your vision and everything. Um, so, you know, the ball was tipped. The second interception, one, uh, the ball sailed. Now he had men in his face, rushers in his face on both passes. Now, should he, I mean, we've seen Rodgers and Favre. I mean, they're able to get away from people in their face, get to a different spot and throw something downfield, you know. All right, the great ones do that stuff. We're talking about Jordan Love, a second-year player who's barely played in the regular season. I get that. He had two chances to either win or tie this game in the last 154, starting out first from his 25, the other time from his 22. Didn't happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I have no idea if he's going to be a great player or not. Um, but right now... If he has to play in the playoffs, I would say the Packers' chances are not very good. I look at his face on that TV screen. There's composure. But I just, I just, I don't know. I remember all what the scouts said, and it's not fair to bring all that up, so I'm not going to. But the people who read me then, I mean, they, they will have all those quotes, and I just don't know. Um, there's kind of a faraway look. I'm not really sure, Ty. So I, Jordan Love right now, he's a mystery to me. And if, you know, for the Packers' sake, he won't play again. And he goes into year three. Those coaches know a lot, a lot about him. And the players know a lot about him from all these months. But I don't know a lot about him. And I've seen him play a game and a half. 
That's it. I don't know. It's hard to argue with any of that. It, it, it looked like things might be going really, really well. I mean, <clears throat> granted, it's a lot more of what happened after the catch, as you noted, but they scored that touchdown. They've got some momentum. Um, you you, you, you want to see more out of your first round pick the rest of that game against the Detroit Lions. I mean, what, what an opportunity really to, to, to give the Packers um, an idea of what life could be like without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I'm kind of in the same place after watching that. It's, you don't, you don't really know. It, it is a mystery. And it's, you know, a lot of people that read our stuff during the off season. Oh, I was, I was all in. I'm getting behind this guy. Take what you can for a quarterback that doesn't want to be there. That's the bigger mystery than even Jordan Love is where are they with Aaron Rodgers? I don't think even Aaron Rodgers knows. If he does, he's not going to let anybody on to it. He's, he's kind of sent signals out both ways. But obviously, I think Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers wants to be there and they can make it work financially, they'll they'll find a way. And But we don't know what agreement was made behind the scenes. We really don't. Mm-mm. Who knows? They might have they might have signed a document and said, hey, if you want to get the hell out of here again, we will get you the hell out of here. Yep. And then they have to. Uh we don't know. And that, you know, a lot probably depends on how the season ends. Um, but say it does end with them needing to move on from Aaron Rodgers. As we've said on here, maybe getting behind Jordan Love from day one. And, and having a plan in place and a full off season and mini camp and OTAs and training camp, but maybe that all, maybe that all helps. And there's, there's little moments that you can, you can draw from and, and talk yourself into, but that's a mystery. Aaron Rodgers future is a mystery. Um, I think <laughs> as they should right now, they're only thinking about 2021, 20, 2022 uh, with this playoff run, but oh, boy, this, if we thought, if we thought last off season was crazy with, with quarterback movement, I was told that this offseason is going to be even way, just, just, just way, way crazy. I don't care what Russell Wilson says. I don't care what anybody says publicly. I think we're going to see a ton of movement all over the place. And what you think about Jordan Love is, is going to be a factor if you're Green Bay. It's got to be a huge factor. And Tyler, had he played from game one this year and he you know, had played 17 games right now, we don't know where he'd be. Yeah. He, we just don't know. I mean, I, the sample size is too small. I, I don't know. Let's not kid ourselves either. You know, like we don't know Rogers future. We don't know what the Packers have going with Rogers. Right. But we know Adam's contract expiring and we know they have cap problems. A lot of pressure on this team. A lot of pressure to win the Super Bowl, not just get there, win the Super Bowl. You've got to That'd be it franchise's 14th uh, championship. And uh, you remember what Brett Favre said on that jumbotron, uh, you know, not putting any pressure on anybody or, or anybody. Ha, ha, ha. But he said, let's bring another, uh, what do you say, Lombardi trophy back to Green Bay. Not putting any pressure on anybody, was he, Tyler? <laughs> That's a good call. It's, I mean, you've got your offensive coordinator and your quarterbacks coach getting head coach interest. Um, yeah. You know, your, your personnel staff, your coaching staff could get gutted to an extent. Financially, you're going to lose players. Um, yeah. That's 
it's, it's a ton of pressure. I mean, this they've 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 lost repeatedly in the NFC Championship game. Now you've got home field again. You just have to win twice. And an NFC, I mean, I'm, we could talk ourselves into San Francisco or, or Tampa Bay with Tom Brady because they did it before. You get four and a half back. I get it, but it's it's not exactly murderer's row. I mean, you should be able to win two games at Lambeau Field with the team they have. I agree. They're eight and zero there this year. The only team in the league unbeaten at home, I believe. Yep. Boy, will special teams rear their ugly head? Nobody ever brings that up in the hmm. on this on the tube, do they? No. No. But that's a real that's a real problem. That can be a factor too, Tyler. We saw a block punt in the first home uh, the first home playoff green, game Green Bay ever lost against the Atlanta Falcons in the snow. Matt Bowen blew that protection, and they had that punt block for a touchdown in the second quarter. That was a special team snafu that's uh, not to be forgotten. Where's that game All in right. 2014 as well, out in Seattle? That. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Snafus, right. I think I kind of forgot that one. How? Oh, okay. Man, what a podcast that was after that game. Remember <laughs> the painstaking detail? I mean, just putting our listeners through torture. <laughs> People still bring that up to me, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, I covered the game now for a little over a decade. That, that, that's the most batshit crazy game I've ever seen live myself. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. Yeah. What about you? Just, I think you're right. Yeah. Just, uh, just in terms of your absurdity. Yep. Right up there for you. Yep. No doubt. All right. Let's go to the RBs. Um, so they've rested Aaron Jones. You know, he's been back, knee, hammy. A great move. Rest the guy. All right. A.J. Dillon played 37 of the 68. Um, Patrick Taylor played 31. <clears throat> they were in empty formation four times. DeGora, the tight end, 29 times, zero with his hand down. So he was out in the slot the whole second half. And Dominique Daphne, 15-7 with his hand down. All right. Uh, Dylan, 15 touches, 67 yards. And Taylor had 11, 13 for 56 in his most extended duty. Okay. Uh, Taylor, his 31 snaps were um, previous high was 15. All right, let's go to Dylan. Dylan did a good job. Tell you what, the Lions were bringing it, T. I mean, you can mock the Lions all you want, but no, they're playing good football. They beat Arizona. They've played some really good games recently. They've had some stinkers, yes, <clears throat> but this is their last game, and uh, they're playing for this Campbell guy. Uh, I've seen it all year over here, and they are playing for the guy. So every yard was tough to come by. This this was a real battle. I don't care. Nine starters out, whoever. The people they had out there were really giving effort. So basically what we saw with the Giants and Joe Judge. (laughs) Gosh, dang, yeah. I mean, everything that Joe Judge was saying is is what Dan Campbell was kind of doing with Detroit, right? Like if Dan Campbell says what Joe Judge said, we buy it. Joe Judge says it and we say, who the hell are you trying to kid? Completely. You're right. Let alone the fact that the Giants have – I mean, they're up against the cap. They they were barely able to play a game with – the money that they had and really 
they went for it. I mean, they, they signed all these free agents and the, the lions are giving away everybody that they can in a, in a total reset. And they're, they're, and they're playing a hundred times harder, but anyways, we, we got it. Boy, it'd be, it'd be cool if you, you know, <laughs> if we could uh, create another Tyler Dunn and put him out there and give him four weeks to do stories on, on the lion and the inner workings of that organization. I mean, it's been a complete cesspool for 50 years and what people are saying right now, man, Tracy Walker, I heard his press conference. You know, boy, it's real. I read Campbell's transcripts all the time. You know, he comes across as a little corny and this and that. I think the guy's pretty darn smart. And he called plays. Now he lost, uh, he lost Anthony Lynn, I think is a tremendous person and a really good coach. They parted ways. Campbell had to make a call and he made it without ruffling any feathers and he made it like a real man. And he told Lynn and he took over and he made mistakes early, but he just kind of, you know, kept improving. And now he's not saying whether he wants to do it or not, but he can't, Lynn can't come back to this environment. And so like men, they parted ways Monday morning, you know, there's no screwing around. Campbell handled it. Well, okay. I love to mock the mutually parting of ways, but, yeah, you know, and, and kind of having a good grasp of that situation. It's about as close to that as you're going to see in the NFL. I don't. I, I mean, I I think Anthony Lynn wanted to call plays. I mean, who doesn't? I want do to too. Call? That's why he, he's that's, been a head coach. You know, that's why. Yeah, that's why he took that job on. He knew he was in it for the long haul. But you know, I, I think it got to that point where he saw the writing on the wall, and and Campbell did, and and that's that. I think they just respect each other. Campbell's a guy you just flat respect. He hasn't bullshitted anybody. He's been fully transparent all year long. I mean, somebody should hire that, Anthony Lynn in a heart in a heartbeat. He's he's a heck of a coach. That guy and, and a hell of a. I leader. see him. I see him on interviews. I mean, this guy. Yeah, he's a good man. All right, Dylan. Uh, he broke three tackles in his uh, fifteen touches, and they were bringing it. Like I said. Um, he ran through Reeves Maven on the goal line for a gain of eight. That's a heck of a power surge. Um, uh, he stiff armed uh, Barnes on a run. On a run, Barnes is running through. He stiff arms the guy and gains seven off the left side. He veered wide. He's coming in the middle. He's really a nice, uh, not a jump cut, but kind of a weaving veered wide for a gain of nine. He took some big shots, man. Um, his last snap was with nine, 10 left in the third quarter when he really took a hard hit from, uh, Reeves Maven and Tracy Walker just got crushed. The floor hustled him out of there and he was not going to be seen again. Um, a very wise move right in the middle of a series. Who cares, man? Get him, get him out. You know, 15 touches along the nine yards. And that's, that's what I'm, I've talked about a, a lot of year. He's a good player, but you're not going to get a whole lot of long runs. All right. Bruising Taylor. Yards, so bruising yards. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to get bruised too. All right. Uh, Patrick Taylor. There's a lot to like there, T. Um, he's a big guy. He ran with good body lean and I'll hate to say it pad level. He really did show that. <laughs> Was he stacking his successes though, Bob? <laughs> Coach Mike was good on that. Wasn't he? Oh. You know, what, um, you know what was the best McCarthyism, though, at press conferences? What? I think he did it to buy himself a little bit of time, you know, so you could think about it. But 
you know, he'd get asked about a player, you know, and an injury and he'd always repeat that player's name back in, in the question form. And it didn't matter if it was, you know, Joe Smith or, you know, some, a basic name or Jermichael Finley it was Jermichael, Jermichael, Jermichael. Oh, Jermichael Finley. No, no, the other Jermichael on your team. But it was just like a tick, you know, it just kind of gave him a little extra time to, to process. And uh, oh, after you left Tyler, this is about his last two, three years. Then he started this after a question, he would insert this usually in the beginning, but sometimes after a sentence or two, it's like anything. And then make his comment. <laughs> it's like anything. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> it's not like anything, but <laughs> you should, you should have cut in and interject. No, Mike, it buys correct. So this stuff buys you time, right? T fillers, you know, filler, like, um, yeah, I'm going to do a good job moving forward, <laughs> moving forward. It's just, capers capers did that well what was that i forget what the word was capers had this way of kind of pausing and thinking and he'd kind of be like yeah um and then he'd get into it did he remember that yeah (laughs) we all do that ty we all do it we all do it and got that stand there and talk for a job (laughs) regularly in front of a lot of people what the hell would come out of my mouth so i mean what do i got i got observation i can't read my notes or i got the uh (laughs) i know i would just start swearing you know that's that's my problem they can all rip me i deserve it all right the blitz pickup taylor did some really good things um i got him six times in blitz pickup and i only gave him uh half a hurry he did a good job he's a big upright runner but yet he, he can get the pad low in traffic. On third and two, he caught a flat pass for three over there against Barnes for a first down, caught it in his hands. It was a nice catch. Uh, a tough touchdown run, the first of his career. Ran low in short yardage. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's behind the Hill guy from Mississippi State who's on IR, but it's a pretty nice fourth back, I would say. All right, let's go to Josiah DeGora. You know, he ran like 4.72 coming out. But boy, on that touchdown, whew, Tracy Walker hit 13 tackles in this game. He's playing out of his mind. I, he's had a good year, and he's going to be a UFA. The Lions got to get him back. Anyway, they throw the screen out there on the left side. He gets a good block. Here comes Tracy Walker, um, eight yards downfield. DeGore makes a miss. A little subtle, little subtleness, and he gives him this. Got down low, pad level, gave him a thigh pad. Tracy bounced off, and then he fled fifty-four extra yards for a sixty-two-yard touchdown. I don't know when the last time a tight end went that far for a score in Green Bay. Uh, I don't see Tanyan making a play like that. Mercedes Lewis, maybe thirty years ago, but it was a heck of a play. On fourth and four, though, he couldn't break uh, he couldn't break Tracy Walker out in the flat on a leak out, gained one on the thing, ball went over. He can look ponderous, but he did some really good blocking, too. He had a good lead on uh, Chris Harris out on the left side. He got out there quickly on a wide play, gain of eight. He cut Charles Harris on a wham block. Um, he made a nice lead on uh, Melifanu, and then he also got a piece of Walker downfield for a gain of 12. And on a classic ISO, he was in the backfield, 
and he made a lead on Reeves Maven on a gain of six. So that was all really good stuff. And he had a really good game, probably the best. It is the best we've seen him. So that's very important. I think LaFleur really likes this guy and maybe he uh, can be a better player next year. He's been pretty average this year. Dominic Daphne right away. Uh, uh, 26 yard pass kind of on an extended bootleggy kind of a thing made the play for 26. That's, um, that's it on the OT. I think we hit on the big points. Well done. Parsing through this unforgettable week 18. Wow. <laughs> you know, I was expecting a horrible show, but the lions and Campbell made it fun. You know, they did the floor, trick plays. Yeah. And LaFleur played his people for a half. You got Throwback uniforms, too. Uh, for the Lions? Yeah, visually appealing. Throwbacks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. You're in your right. LaFleur, you know, he made it interesting. So He did, yeah. He battled. He, that guy does not want to lose, Matt LaFleur. He does not like to lose, and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. You can tell. That guy's in it to win, and that's what this game's all about. All right. Defensive line. 59 snaps on the D. Clark played 28. Lowry played 35. Kiki's out with, I think it was COVID again. He's missed three games, you know. Their, their pass rush would be help with him. Although the way Lowry's playing, maybe he doesn't get his sub job back. Lancaster played 38. That's a season high. Slayton played 33. That's second most. And... Uh, Anderson played 15. He was active again over Heflin, who was inactive, who's actually on the active roster where Anderson's a uh, COVID practice squad call-up. All right, so the D-line. So Dean Lowry. Wow, what a performance. He had a sack, and he had two tackles for loss, and he played really good football. Um, He's had a really good second half of the season, and that's a huge plus. I mean, he... He's not just a guy now who takes up space and plays and plays. Um, I would think opponents now, all of a sudden, he's been in the league like six years. All of a sudden, they got to think about Dean Lowry. You know, they really do. His first sack, um, he, uh, sack right here. It's memorable enough. Um, he bull rushed. Oh, the backup center. <laughs> they lost Evan Brown, a really good backup center who replaced Frank Ragnow at midseason when he had a turf toe surgery. Brown had played good football all the whole second half. Well, he goes out with a leg injury after five snaps. So they lose another lineman. They come in with Ryan McCollum, who hasn't, he hasn't played all year hardly. First play. He gets walked right back. I'm not sure if it was the first play, but he gets walked. Yes, it was. First snap by McCollum. Gets walked right back. Sack. Um, Jared Goff had no chance. All right. He sheds uh, He sheds Matt Nelson, who had to play right tackle. Uh, led to a tackle for loss by somebody else for three, so he wasn't credited with that. He rushed McCollum right flat back on his ass. Great stuff. He shed the tight end, uh, 89. Brock Wright, gain of two. He shed right again on the goal line for a loss of one. He tipped a touchdown pass that went to St. Brown. At least he got a hand on the darn thing. And he was unblocked one time, led to a play for minus four. Lowry's playing good. 
All right, Kenny Clark. Um, he played the first. Now he didn't get a lot done in this game. He had one knockdown, no tackles for loss. He didn't play much. They got him out of there. Thank God. That's the guy they cannot afford to lose. The first eight plays, he's on the field. Okay, Tyler. And the ninth play is when they run the seventy-five yard uh, trick pay, trick play that uh, Tom Kennedy, the wideout, throws seventy-five yards to uh, Khalif Raymond. All right. Now, there's a lot of handoffs and there's a lot of stuff going on behind the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah, Kenny Clark was not in on that play. First play wasn't in, turns into a 75-yard touchdown. Now, does he penetrate against that lousy center, McCollum, and blow the thing up? I'm saying 50-50 chance. Now, did they call that play only when they saw Clark go to the sideline? That we'll never know. They might have. Interesting, yeah. Not sure. They might have. It was it was he after a first He's that he affects almost every every play, any kind of play you could. And from that position, I mean, I think about your Aaron Donald story that you did a couple months ago, Bob, and how you you just meticulously broke down how he dominates the way he does, and it's 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 a lot of what we see with his athleticism and his strength and all of that stuff, but it's so much of his brain and his mind and, and how he just anticipates. And Kenny Clark's got a lot of that to him too, to, to, to somehow affect the game when you're at a position where you really, what most guys don't affect the game. Uh, I might say this now in the interest of fair of fairness, 49ers got after Aaron Donald the other day. I watched that whole game on tape right? of that. Yeah, they did. They knocked him around pretty good. You got Tom Compton starting at right tackle for McGlinchey. Tom Compton? And he's doing good things in the run game? I couldn't believe it. Um, it's a shock. Okay, Kenny Clark was also not in the play on that flea flicker on that 35-yard touchdown pass to the tight end Brock Wright. Bunch of handoffs going on back there. He wasn't on the field for that either, Tyler. Um, he blew up a trap one time for a gain of one. So – on those on the field during those plays was uh, Lancaster and um, ninety three Slayton. Okay, so Kenny's healthy going into this thing, and that's all that matters. All right, uh, Slayton played. Some scouts do not see much pass rush in Slayton. I kind of do. He had one hurry in this game. You know, he's an upfield guy, and sometimes that's good for the defense. And sometimes that's to the detriment of the defense. And I don't know what his call is sometimes, so I can't judge him, but I don't know. He got moved out of there on a running play that gained six. Um, he got moved out on a double team on a gain that gained nine. Well, McCollum was so bad that early in the third quarter, they got rid of him. And for the last 23 snaps, they, they moved Jonah Jackson, who might be the best guard in the NFC North. They moved him from left guard to center. And Goff said after the game, Jonah had only taken 10 snaps in practice from him all year, going <laughs> in the offseason. That's how terrible McCullum was. So Green Bay should have been dominating this guy more. And they put Jackson in there. And then they moved in uh, – at right guard, they put the Notre Dame undrafted rookie, Tommy Kramer, who uh, 
I kind of liked him in the draft and he hung, hung in at left guard for Jackson. So that's what we're talking about, the interior of this line. And they hammered away for 99 yards. I mean, I was not impressed. After a good game last week, this D-line did not do the job. All right, Lancaster, not great. He, um, he shed Taylor Decker one time uh, on a gain of one. Good job. And he had a big knockback against uh, Matt Nelson once for no game. Now, okay, in the second half, I'll just show you how much Matt LaFleur wanted to win. So once he got Lowry, I got to look at my snaps by player. I write down the D linemen and the old linebackers on every snap. So once he got Lowry out of there and Clark out of there, every time. So he was playing with the backups on first and second down. But every time when third down came around, LaFleur wanted to win this game. He came with Clark and he came with Gary and Preston Smith. And those guys did not play the second half, except they played on six third downs, third and 10, third and nine, third and seven, third and three, third and eight, and third and 16. Even the closing seconds, third and 16 at the end of the game, those guys, those, the big three were on the field. Excuse me. Clark was not on for the last one. Clark was on for five of the five of those six. So they wanted to win this game and they were playing with uh, Riff Raff in the secondary, especially at the end. They didn't sub. They had Gia Dim in there, John Charles. I mean, they were playing with bad players, but the pass rush was not getting home and that ragtag line held up. All right. That's it on the D line T. Yep. I, I think you're really, you're right on Kenny Clark too. I mean, you'd, if you really wanted to win, you'd play him a lot, but he's too valuable. You just don't risk. Yep. So that's about all I have. Yeah, you're so, right. Linebackers. All right. The linebackers, they rest um, Devondre Campbell. You know, he's played a ton of snaps and they rest him. And one of the reasons that St. Brown, the really good rookie, caught eight of 10 targets for 109 and a score was not having Campbell. Campbell, he's better against the pass than the run. I think we've established that. We discussed it a week or two ago. So you got Barnes out there playing every snap. He played, uh, Barnes played all 59. Oren Burks played 32, his second high of the year. Um, interesting. One of the three guys who never played that was active was Isaiah McDuffie, the sixth round pick. They didn't even feel that they could afford to put him on the field. They also didn't feel, feel they could afford to put Vernon Scott, the draft pick seventh round pick, I believe it was in 2020. He did not play from scrimmage in this game. Hmm. Braden didn't either, but they were, Braden's not that good. And then he got cut today. So McDuffie and Scott, have obviously are not ready to play. Okay, Barnes. Let's get the snap counts outside. All right, Preston Smith, 26. Gary, 26. Jonathan Garvin, 31. Hamilton played four. And I'm going to get this pronunciation right. <laughs> Tipa Galliai. It's Galliai. One of our readers told me to check out the pronunciation key. It's Galliai. Okay, Tyler, we got Bohorquez 
and Galliai. Well, you know, that's what we really do. We, we watch the film, we break it down. We trust our technique. We stack successes. And we, we try to do better the next time around. What else, what else can you ask for? Um, we can hang in there with the announcers, uh, Ian Eagle and uh, Kevin Burkhart, Mr. Uh, Kevin Harlan, can't we? We can get our pronunciations right, T. Yeah, yeah. well, we can try. <laughs> is, there, is there an announcer that you like, Bob? Is there somebody out there that you enjoy? Yes. Like? Yes, there's, there's quite a few of them. Oh, good. I thought you were going to be a curmudgeon with this all. Let's hear it. Who do you like? My favorite right now is Akib Talib. Whoa. He's fantastic. I haven't really heard him much. Today I was watching the first three quarters of the Viking uh, Bear game Sunday. He's fantastic. I mean, he just says it. He says it in football stuff, man. I love that guy. He's funny. He's smart. He's just on it with insight. (laughs) He's not afraid to, you know, not afraid to offer some criticism too. The guy gets beat, he'll he'll let you know. Yeah, he's my he's my fave, Akib Talib. Yep, he's fun. He and Gus Johnson, it's a great pair. I was just gonna say Gus Johnson. I, I didn't even know they were together. I love Gus. He's the best. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Give me the energy, man. Like have have fun. It's football. He does. He does. So they're entering the fourth quarter, and they got about thirty seconds, and they close up of them in the booth at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, <laughs> and. You know, how'd your first year go, Akib? I really enjoyed it, Gus. Man, he says, you know, it's great to have you next to me. He said, you really helped me out. He said, well, you know, great having you, bud. So then Gus reaches down to Akib's hand. You couldn't see what he's doing. And he grabs his Super Bowl ring and Akib starts laughing. (laughs) And he grabs it and he puts it on. See there? (laughs) (laughs) And he's just laughing with the ring. So he won that with Denver, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he makes some crack about Peyton Manning. I don't know. <laughs> it was great stuff. Authenticity, they really do. I mean, then I don't know. Is it Anna Archuleta? Some of the guys on there, it's like, ugh, it's just blah. Oh, but yeah. every once in a while, you get a player that you know they know they they know they might hear from a, an ex player that's pissed off at something they said, and they don't care. Like they just right they be themselves because that's what people want. Um, is Rondé Barber still doing games? Ooh, good question. I don't know. I liked him I though. No, previous years. Q and A with him last year at uh, at Go Long. He was fantastic for that. Wow. I'm not sure. Okay. I liked him. All right. Yeah, he was good. So Barnes um, biting on play action. His drops are just not effective. Um, he's just. He's just not precise, you know. He hasn't seen as much as Campbell, and he's just he's just not as good in coverage, man. Um, he gets fooled, late reaction on a draw, gain of 11. Um, he got pancaked on that fourth quarter touchdown drive somewhere in there. You know, every now and then he'll break through and make a good hit, but I didn't think he really showed. Uh, he played, you know, every snap a few games last year, but. I don't think he showed much uh, improvement really this year. Okay, Oren Burks, we finally saw he started the game and he played a lot. You know, he starts over McDuffie. Would have been interesting if Ty Summers was not on IR, if they would have played Summers instead. But um, 
he misses uh, St. Brown on a crosser, um, three-yard crosser, turns into a 17-yard gain. At one point, he runs in, trips over uh, Lancaster, goes to the ground. You know, looks like Tarzan, play like, plays like Jane. It's the old classic uh, crazy maxim, but he plays light. I mean, he looks good, but he plays light. He got blocked forever by St. Brown on a reverse gain of 13. Late reaction on the Brown 14 yard on the 14 touchdown. I don't know. He's just a special teams guy, really. Um, okay, and that's it inside. Uh, anybody else play? No, that's it. Okay, so now outside. Well, let's talk about Zadarius Smith. He's on the sideline, and they're talking about maybe he practices this week. You mentioned what Matt LaFleur was apparently referred to some of these uh, reinforcements. I don't know. I mean, Preston Smith and Gary, yeah, Zadarius Smith is a lot better than uh, Galliai and uh, Garvin. We know that. I'll tell you what, he's going to hurt you in the run game. He's going to be dipping inside. He's not going to set the edge. You remember what Shanahan did to him? Uh, was that two years ago in that playoff game? It was brutal, and he knew it too. If it's Shanahan in that first game, you don't want Zedarius on the field. I don't care what he's going to give you because – He's going to give it all back on the run game. So that's something, obviously, the Packers know. Mike Smith, the old OLB coach, knows. And they're going to be thinking about that, too. All right. Um, outside, Gary, uh, double team 30.8%. He's lost a lot of weight, Tyler. I mean, it's just really clear cut now. And the more you look at him, I'll bet he's 250. And his play against the run this year has been really average. Um, in this game, I don't really, I don't have any notes on Gary. There just wasn't much happening. Let's look at the pressures. Yeah, that's why he didn't have a pressure. Preston Smith had one. Um, there's, it was a bad rush game. Uh, and really Joe Barry rushed a lot. He blitzed 32.3%, which is one of his highest. He rushed a lot. He was just kind of putting some tape out there for the next opponent saying, Oh man, green Bay might send some people, you know? Um, Preston Smith got fooled again on a reverse for 12 Burks missed two tackles. Garvin, they ran a reverse around him for 13 Garvin stuffed the tight end, right? The gain of one. He can be somewhat tough at the line of scrimmage. He caved in right one time for a gain of two. That was a good play. I guess that's it, T. Um, not a very good day for that defensive front seven. That's it. Hmm. Another great example of what do you do with a player coming back? I, you know, I, I'd almost totally forgotten on, on how Raheem Mostert ran like crazy all over this Packers defense. It was a two, 220 yards. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, great in his own right it was, it was it was a lot of fun learning about his past or bleacher report story way back then we, we hung out the week after that game mm. but even with him out i mean elijah mitchell has been somewhat of a revelation for them 
the rookie. Uh, it almost doesn't matter who's back there running back. Kind of like his dad's teams with, with the Broncos, Orlandis, Gary, Mike Anderson, throughout whoever you want. Um, you, you need somebody kind of throwing everything back inside so they don't get that head of steam. And let's not forget about Debo Samuel as a runner. Sure. I mean, he's phenomenal. And I, I think that's the team that Green Bay doesn't want to, doesn't want to face in the first game. Um, yeah. What a, I agree with you. I agree. So it's going to be four, five, six, or seven, right? It could be any of those guys. Yeah. Right. Um, the Rams four, five, six, or seven. In that loss. I, a Stafford is Stafford. I don't know. So if, if Dallas wins, it can't be Dallas. Can no, no six and three. Right. 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 Um, okay. Um, and I want to get, get your take on Tom Brady and these Buccaneers later too. Cause I mean, I, I think okay. it's a Super Bowl or bust season for Green Bay. And you might you might see Tom Brady again. And I, I was shocked to really look at his numbers. I mean, you, you can make an MVP case for him just like you can Aaron Rodgers. He absolutely he was unbelievable. Good grief. Okay. Defensive backs. Um J- Jair Alexander inactive again. He's practicing. The starters were Stokes. Okay. They kept him on the field. He only sat out two snaps, 57 snaps for Stokes. They could have got him out of there. But Fleur's trying to win with that guy. Douglas played 45. Uh, Sullivan played 41, suffered some kind of a injury at the end. I don't know what it was. Kevin King, they only gave him 11 snaps. Hmm. him. they put him in at the end, and he gets unimpressive. 14, he can't play. John Charles, the rookie, looks like he can't play. Five snaps for him. Safety, Savage played all 59. They would not put Vernon Scott in the game. They risked Savage all that, every snap. Amos played 38, Black played 21. Okay, so the two big plays, the 75-yarder, I mean, that's, you know, those things won the game. Um. The first guy to saw all that action happening was Rasul Douglas. You can see that tape, but he's on the other side of the field. And he's the first one, it looks like. He's gesturing madly, and I think he's yelling, too. I'm sure he is. He's the one who saw it. But over on the play side, you know, 21's over there, 31's over there, 40's over there. Packer fans know those numbers. And... um They're all at fault, and to what degree, I'm not sure. And Kenny Clark's not in the field, okay? Now let's go to the second one. The um, the flea flicker pass to the tight end, 36-yard touchdown in the second half. It looks like it's going to be a fake trap. Um, Clark is not in the game. So over on that play side, you got Sullivan and you got Savage. The tight end leaks out. Savage freezes. They ran 21 out of there, so he's not a factor. Um, eye discipline, just terrible. And they're going to they're going to see some trick plays down the stretch. The Buccaneers, or excuse me, if it's Brady, you know he does all that with the Patriots for all those years with Mc, uh, Belichick and McDaniel's, <clears throat> Dable, all those coordinators. So. Uh, Get ready, and they got to play better than that. Do they have to have Kenny Clark on the field for every snap? 
because he was not on the field for those two big plays. All right, so let's look at Savage. Um, played every snap. Um, okay, we got all that done. First play of the – okay, the missed tackle. This defense had 12 missed tackles. In the secondary, had two for Savage and one for John Charles Douglas, one for Sullivan, and one for Black. A lot of completions to St. Brown, kind of near Savage, man. Um, just near him and, you know, not sure of the coverage, not sure really what he's doing, but a day late and a dollar short. Okay, Amos uh, frozen on that trap pass, slow reaction on the goal line when uh, it should have been Savage and Amos on that on that two-yard touchdown. Um, tough hits, he didn't do much. I had one hard hit for Amos in this game. The other safety, uh, Black, <clears throat> looks like he did not double uh, when the Lions were coming back in the second half. He did not double St. Brown on a crosser. Third and seven, the play ruptured for 15. He was involved in that thing. Uh, and then he missed St. Brown on the go-ahead touchdown drive. It was a 14-yard completion, and Black blew the tackle, and it became a gain of 28. Um, all right, let's go to corners. Uh, Douglas, he was clean. I didn't. They stayed away from him. Um, Stokes, the reverse pass, he's involved with that. Fourth and one, they made a, they threw a comeback over there to Josh Reynolds, his only completion gain of 11. He played 57 snaps. He's had a pretty good year. Um, Sullivan, he had some problems. He's just not a man guy, Tyler. He's a zone guy and he will tackle, but he he knows his limitations and he just can't cover man. And so if they get Alexander back, do they remove Sullivan and play him in the slot? I would guess that's probably what they're thinking. Is Alexander ready? Now, he hasn't played all that much slot in his career. He was playing some this year. Do they get Sullivan out of there, who's really their, their weakest cover guy, their weakest defensive back, it's cornerback cover guy? Did they get him out of there? They might. Um, incompletion in the end zone. It was a near interception by him. His work on the flea flicker didn't look good. And then he suffered the injury at the end. All right. Then they came with Kevin King. Man, Tyler, every time he makes a tackle, he is so proud of himself. He preens and you know, struts. Come on, man. You know, the Bucks and Brady are going to be really disappointed if he's not on the field, if the two teams play. The guy's a liability and he's a target and everybody knows it. And he, he's falling off. He just can't play. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Packers are going to keep him on the field. Maybe LaFleur likes him so much. He's going to keep him out there. Maybe Sullivan wouldn't be the sixth defensive back if Alexander plays. I don't know. And John Charles was awful. So that's the end of the DBs, Steve. Well, let's talk a little Tom Brady then, because you're right. If he sees Mr. King out there, if he, if he sees any, he might see something out there that nobody else sees. He's going to find a weakness. He's going to find something to exploit. There's that. That's why he's an MVP candidate at 44. He, there's nobody like him. 
not you know, I'm kind of jumping ahead a week to say they face a yep. championship game. I think I think you're getting a, a much better Tom Brady than you saw in the NFC Championship game a year ago. I mean, he wasn't that great at Lambeau Field, but he threw three picks, a couple of lollipops. Yeah. I watched that um, I mean, the Jets finish and Carolina, and not exactly playoff caliber teams. I give you that. But I don't know. I feel like he he kind of heated up at the right time. All this AB drama was embarrassing. They should have never brought him in to begin with. But they might get Leonard Fournette back. Still got Mike Evans. Rob Gronkowski looks like the Rob Gronkowski of four or five years ago. That year off really seemed to help him. I mean, he, he, I think he had 100 yards in back-to-back games for the first time since 2017, I want to say, maybe 18. Um, that offense is really flying. It's, it's going to be tough. It's, it, it, it's going to be tough. And I think there were some signs in this Lions game that worry you a little bit. Have you, have you watched Tom Brady much this season? Any, any thoughts on, on his game at this point? Probably eight or nine, ten games. Um, he doesn't have Godwin. He no doesn't God. have A.B. He doesn't have A.B. That Packer pass rush, I don't even care about Zedarius. You got Clark, you got Preston, you got Gary. And if Kiki comes back, that's mayhem coming your way. And, and against a stationary target, that could win the game right there, Tyler. Great point. I'm obsessing over everything on the back end. As we've seen with Tom Brady, when, when, you, when he has struggled in the playoffs, it's everything happening on the front end, isn't it? Yes. It's nothing right. new. Yeah. Um, I, I like Fournette, but but where is he going to be? I even like their backup backs. I mean, Vaughn's good. They got Bernard's coming back, I think. They got people. You know, they've been lucky on the offensive line. They really haven't had an injury all year. Mm-hmm. Will Bruce Arians finally have a – and they don't have much depth. They have Stinney, the guard who played, I think, in the Super Bowl last year. But I don't. they don't really have a tackle that's worth much. I mean, if they lose Wirfs or uh, Smith on the left side or, or the center – Oof, that's the problem. Brady's had a full, solid old line all year. Right, right. How does he move at this age to you within the pocket? He's, he's he always a, moves so well. He's brilliant at it, and he's tough as hell. He's willing to take a shot, you know, to release the ball. He'll take a hit. And he's gotten up from everything his whole career except the ACL by the Chiefs in 08, yeah. So we don't even know if they're going to get there, though. We don't know if anybody's getting there. Yeah, I mean, they've got to, they've got to win two games themselves. Can yep. I, can I uh, posit an MVP question to you uh, with all of our Packer listeners at the risk of pissing mm. them off? Brady or Rodgers? Well, I didn't see that comeback against the Jets, you know, T? Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of games Rodgers could have had more yards. Brady had a ton more yards. He did. Rodgers had he less did. picks. Yeah, I don't care about the picks. That's all passer rating bull crap, you know? Brady's going for it, man. A lot of people care about those picks, Bob. Yeah, well, that's a good graphic on Fox every Sunday. The, you know, the first graphic, right? <laughs> Coming out of the kickoff when they got like 40 seconds. <laughs> they, they, don't they you zero love- on whoever the quarterback is they zero on him walk jogging out to the huddle and then they put the graphic on brady the graphic on rogers 
<laughs> We've heard it all, haven't we, T? <laughs> In general, though, like every football game, don't you don't you love the three keys to the game? And it's always like a they 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 do whoever the color commentator is, they play off the guy's name. Like if it has something to do with football, it's you know that, that <laughs> headline of the graphic, whatever. Yeah. Hurts keys or making that up. But then it's uh, limit turnovers, establish the run, <laughs> typically. And what's the third one that you see? We might have talked about this too. Turnovers. <laughs> that was that was that was the key number one. Limit turnovers. Oh, that was number one. Okay. <laughs> establish the, the run, run is number two. Yeah. Pressure the quarterback. Look at him, T. I don't know. Pressure pressure the quarterback. I avert my eyes from the screen. From the screen. I do. I just. I look the other way. I don't want to see it. <laughs> or, or when they show these goofy fans from the Raiders or wherever, I look the other way. I just don't look. <laughs> I can control my eyes. <laughs> Instantly that you just look away. Like, yeah. Like your eyes are going to bleed. I beat the commercials and I can beat the crap on the screen if I want to, you know? All right. But you listen to the announcer. <laughs> see, I didn't know that. I thought you had a mute. Yes. The first time around, I do not on Monday. Okay. All right, let's go to the kickers. Uh, the, the specialist. All right, Crosby. We got. I gotta check this out, T. All right, he made a field goal from uh, from thirty six off the left hash. Um, he made three extra points, and he missed an extra point from the right hash, slightly to the right. And it was a bit of a screwball. It moved to the right. So Crosby, oh, that's only the second extra point he's missed. All right. And he's missed nine field goals, but he's kicked them pretty good. So, okay. His kickoffs were effective. He had five touchbacks out of six. He was hitting them good. He averaged 67.7, so minus three, and 3.87 hang. You know, he's not, he's had some bad days at Ford Field. He's had some good ones too. All right, Bajorquez, we got that pronunciation. One punt. Got it down, fair catch at the seven. That was good. So that's the kickers. Uh, Bajorquez, I think he was 19th, finished 19th in net. He was number one, like entering December, Tyler. But the bad weather always gets these guys, you know. And plus the run back for whatever it was, 80 yards or something, that got him too. Um, all right, are you confident in Crosby? I am. In this weather, up in Green Bay, I'd take him almost over almost anybody in the league. I think I would, T. I don't care about the season. All right. You know Mason, right? Yeah, you covered him for five years. I trust the guy, don't you? Right now, yeah. He looks like a different kicker than what we saw in Cincinnati, of course. But it seems to linger <clears> – <throat> But but it's the whole operation, T. He had a lousy holder, lousy snapper. The thing was a mess. That's where I give the, the Packers credit. I mean, they didn't they, they didn't have that knee jerk, get the hell out of here, release. You know, it was they they saw they they saw what you I mean. You talked about it then. You talked about the long snapper and the hold and the laces and the rotations on the ball and all of that stuff. Where I I never looked at kicking through that detailed lens. Um, but you're right. He looks, he looks great. And that, that's who you want in, in Wisconsin. It's negative 10 wind chill. It's, it's crap that he's used to. He's lived here since 
07? Uh, yes. So he, yeah, right now, wow, kudos to the Packers for keeping him and, and Crosby for busting another uh, Right now, I'm willing to give kudos to them for shit-canning Hunter Bradley and coming on with uh, Wordle, Stephen Wordle. Wordle was not good for about three weeks. He was a mess. But now for about three or four weeks, he's been good. So I'm riding Steven in the in the postseason. <laughs> you just got me laughing because I mean, I, when Joe Judge uh, was fired, the, the the official release from the New York Giants said that he was relieved of his duties. Really? Now, yeah, he was relieved of it, which is basically what our dads did to us when we we're 13. <laughs> and you don't have to, you don't have to cut the grass. You've been relieved of your duties. Go play with your friends. <laughs> That's what these teams do to these coaches. You're relieved of your duties, and you just use the term that teams should use instead. Shit. <laughs> but if the or Giants put that out, Joe Judge has been shit canned as head coach. We are moving on after two seasons. <laughs> We're going to be moving into some relieving of duties for the McGinn memory too, T. I'm sure you're excited about that. Oh, one. the duties shall be relieved, and the, yep. the ways will be parted mutually. Mutually. All right, T. Let's move to the special teams, okay? Well, I don't know. now I got to go back and look at this thing on the all 22, but they had a blocked punt. They had a partially blocked punt. It's about the best thing they've done on teams all year. And we never saw it. They were Greg Olson and whoever it was Burkhart was doing some kind of goofball long instant replay. They missed the play. That was a good job. That's somebody I do really enjoy listening to. I like, he's right up there. Olson. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, Burkhart, uh, not so much. Okay. So, <laughs> he, okay, these TV cameramen do a fantastic job. The producers do a wonderful job. They're never missing a play. I mean, this is like once every five years, you know? They do a great job. You've got to hand it to all the networks on this stuff. You never miss a play. It's unreal. So, as much as we say they do fabulous work, but on this one, they didn't cut back to that punt until the first frame you can see is you can't see what happened. So Burkhardt said that Jawan Winfrey partially blocked that punt um, by Mr. Jack Fox that went 30 yards, set up a touchdown. So that's one of the big things. And that's the reason they got four footballs. Um, Rogers, so, you know, Moore, the good return guy who we saw the week before, he had COVID. He got brought back from the COVID list today, Tuesday. But so we didn't see more. So it was back to Rogers returning. Uh, and he broke a tackle on a 23-yard kickoff return. And on a really well-blocked long punt by Spox, it was a 67-yarder. He returned that thing 23 yards. So then at the end, it was weird, man. Um a kickoff at the end of late in the game when the Packers are trying to come back three yards deep by Fox, who also kicks off the hang time. Wasn't good. 3.34. So I can maybe see Rogers cause it's a little bit line drive-ish, but he decides to bring that thing back. And does he have any breakaway ability? No, he only got it out to the 22. And you know what? On that kickoff, he slowed down. He's not selling out. You talk to any special teams coach when they evaluate return guys, and every year I do this, 
the question is, does he sell out? Is he reckless? Some are, a lot are. And I did not see him there. He slowed down. We've played football, Tyler. There's only a couple guys on a high school team who aren't, aren't going to slow down. You know, you're a slow down guy or an attack guy. <laughs> we can absolutely relate. <laughs> All right. Um, Mostly to the speed of the game is what, what I can relate to. Yeah. No. Bringing that. Right, let's go to 5040. We're going back to this. Tipa Galliai. Yeah, he had a good reaction on the fake punt, but still, Mr. 35, Godwin Igwebike. Let's try that. He dropped that ball on the fake punt, and that was early. Um, Don't you think right after that, maybe the Packers should have been thinking that Dan Campbell – was going to try some trickeration because right after that, uh, after that fake punt, am I right on this? Well, he saved the goods, didn't he? No, I'm sorry. But busted out the goods at a perfect time. Hold on. The, 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 the fake, this first fake thing came before the fake punt. All right. So the Packers defended that it was a drop, but so what they defended it. Um, there's nothing really to say. The snap leaders all with 25. Um, Burks, Black, Yidam, McDuffie. And are the special teams good enough? At least they're finishing with a good game here. They've kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit at the, in the last two, three weeks. So still could kill them, though. They're not, they're not very darn good. That's it on, the, on that ball game, T. Oh, well, that was a long session. Incredible. Well, yay. We, we have we have to mix in the playoff breakdowns, Bob. Do we? And look ahead. No, I'm mean, saying we did. That's why it took so long. We. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't think we were just harping on Packers lines that whole time, though. True. There, there's there's the questions. There's issues. There's concerns, and fans want to know. Listeners want to know. So. All right, let's get into that McGinn memory. Okay, so with all these coach firings, right, Tyler? Shit cans, Bob. Yep, the relieving of the duties, Mr. Judge, today, right, tonight? Um, <laughs> like if, you, if you're relieved of a duty, you celebrate. You've been, you've been, the duty has been, has been <laughs> from your plate. Like your dad, Steve, he relieved you boys of the duties, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Not need to mow the lawn today. You've been relieved. Sometimes some coaches would be happy to be relieved of their duties, right? You know? <laughs> All right. So, but the thing of it is, they don't do press conferences for the men who are shit can these days, do they, T? <laughs> Mike Zimmer had a statement. I don't think Mike Nagy, yeah. I don't think he did a presser. Did Vic Fangio? No, he had a statement on Sunday praising George Payton and, and the front office and thanking them. Will Joe judge do a presser? I don't know. Teams don't, the teams want that guy out of the building now. Well, it didn't used to be like that. And I'm going to go to, we discussed the Bart Starr leave taking. <laughs> now we'll discuss the Lindy, Jolindo, Lindy and Vani relieving of his duties. <laughs> it occurred on 
122.91. Okay, Tyler, <laughs> you weren't around for well. Oh, I was four What's years your old. Date of birth? Yeah. 89? 87. I was four. Okay. You don't remember this one. You were four. No. <laughs> Can't dust off the memory. No. <laughs> okay. So, well, the Packers went in. They were going to Minnesota on a Saturday afternoon game. The Pack was going over there uh, three and 12, and the Vikes were eight and seven. And this was Jerry Burns' final game. That had been announced. They were out of the playoffs. The Vikings had killed the Packers earlier. So five days before the game, Lindy was asked on Monday um, if he were to lose his job because Ron Wolf had been on the job only for three weeks, but everybody assumed he was going to, you know, get rid of him. Lindy said, I have given every ounce of energy that I have. There may be better coaches, but I doubt seriously if anyone has ever worked harder than me. Whoever is sitting in this chair next year will look pretty good. I hope it's me. So the Packers, the plan was to fly back Saturday night from the Metrodome. And he intended to meet with the players Sunday morning, quote, as if I'm going to be here. All right. So here's what happened, T. Um, the Pack won the football game. They played their best game of the year. They blew out the Vikings 27 to 7. And afterwards, Jerry Burns said, if I had any concerns about missing this down the line, I think this eliminated that problem. <laughs> they beat us every way. <laughs> we never came up with a play. So Bernsey was gone, but Lindsay, uh, but Lindy was ecstatic. It would be a shame to see it come to an end, he said. I hope we proved we could play. I hope they won it for themselves and not for me. The Packers' first game all year, they didn't commit a turnover. Packers have had about eight of those, nine of those this year, Tyler. They never turned it over. The only time they didn't turn it over. They only gained 188 yards, but they scored 27 points against those Vikings. All right, so after the game, I was the only guy from the Milwaukee Journal over there on that Saturday. And that was a deadline situation, too, so that was kind of a hustle. Um it was an ugly farewell for Jerry Burns. And then, um, so what did Ron Wolf say after the game? Well, one assistant coach told me as he was walking out, I don't remember who it was, but the guy told me anonymously, down deep in my heart, I think it's a done deal. I think it's over. There was 11 assistant coaches, Buddy Geis, uh, Joe Clark, all these guys. Okay. So we had, I asked Wolf, uh, Afterwards, he had, he had met the press afterwards in the locker room. Now, he didn't have to, right? You're the GM. You got a big decision to make. Most guys duck it, man, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. He stands there in the, in the press, in the locker room, answers questions. Do I know what I'm going to do? I know that I'm going to make a decision before Christmas. This was on 12-22, right? Mm. One way or the other. But I don't know what it's going to be. And then he said, he added... To the, to the initiated and the un, uninitiated, comma. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> it probably wouldn't seem that it would be that difficult a decision. In other words, and fine, he's gone, right? Yeah, yeah. But there are so many, he's 24 and 40, by the way. 
But there are so many factors outside of just saying yes or no. The availability of people is one. In other words, other new coaches like Parcells, right? And there's families, families involved. It's an overwhelming thing when you examine it. I've been handled the mantle, so to speak. I have to do it and I will do it, but I'm not going to be pressured into doing it. It's going to be well thought out when I do it. So I don't want to believe this too much, but Buddy Geis, the wide receiver coach, I got him in the locker room and Buddy's made the case for Infani. Two years ago, he was coach of the year, Geis said. Last year, Don Mikowski didn't sign until four days before the first game. It took him three or five games to start playing like the Don Mikowski of 89. We're six and five and he goes down. He came back from the operation and he could never get back into it. I think Infani has done a good job with all that's happened. You need that quarterback playing well. I'm an optimistic person. I'm hoping. So Cliff Crystal from our staff hung out at the Packer offices that night. And we, you know, we had about, well, the final was probably midnight. And Crystal, we added this in there. Um, shortly after the plane arrived in Green Bay, <clears throat> Harlan, Bob Harlan, team president, and Ron Wolf returned to the Packer offices. They stayed in the building for more than an hour. Departing shortly before 11, Wolf said that he talked with Harlan, but that no decision about Infani was made. And we got that in the newspaper at the, the final graph of that story. Pretty cool, eh, Ty? And that adrenaline rush. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cliff did a great job on that. I was driving. I was in the press box writing, you know, and driving back. Yeah. Um, okay. So Infani had been given a two-year extension after his big 10-6 and six season in the 89 year. Mm -hmm. January 16, he got a two-year extension. Harlan was concerned that Infani might bolt to coach a team in Florida, his native Florida, either the Dolphins or the Buccaneers. Um, I want to mention this, that after he was named coach of the year without making the playoffs in 89, a lot of the players kind of thought it went to his head. And some guys told me <laughs> off the record, and I heard this in the locker room too, <laughs> that they would refer to Infani as Cody. Coach of the year. <laughs> Cody this, Cody that. All right. That is pretty so, wild um, that you win coach of the year and you don't make the playoffs. I mean, we've talked about that 89 season. It was, you know, a hell of a lot of fun for all involved. Considering and they would have made it so the next year. They would have made it when the playoffs were expanded to Banded. another wild card. Right. They missed it by a year. All right. So in Fonny's 24, 40, 3, 7, 5 winning percentage, where does it rank? Ray Scooter McLean is in there at 110 and 1, 091 and 58. Gene Ronzani, a youper from Iron Mountain, he goes 14, 31 and 1, 311 from 50 to 53. Boy, those 50s were ugly. And then Lyle, Liz Blackburn comes from Marquette University, Marquette College at the time, to Green Bay, goes 17 and 31 for a 354 from 54 to 57 before Ray McLean takes over. Then Infani, uh, Infani comes in after Forrest Gregg departed for SMU. Okay, here's how it went, Tyler. <clears throat> At 8 a.m., Wolf meets with Infante, tells him he's fired. 
relieved of his duties, okay? At 8.45, Harlan meets Infani, talks to him. Uh, he says that Infani takes it like a real pro. At 10 a.m., Infani talks to the players. The players are in cl cleaning out their lockers, right, finding out what's happening. He meets with his assistant coaches and his players for about 10 to 15 minutes. And at noon, Infani has a presser. Now, I forgot when Wolf had a presser or how that worked. But Infani was there four hours after getting shit canned. He does a presser. Now, what does he say? Well, this was a memorable event. Um, and Infani said, let me get to the, there's a couple stories I wrote here and others did. Um, okay, Infani. The headline is he was true to his game plan. Um, yeah, this is the classic line. 51-year-old Infani emphasized the good and ignored the bad during his four mostly unsuccessful seasons. Quote, the way I look at it, I was about six plays for maybe being voted coach of the year again. If somebody gave me the power to either eliminate or change six plays during the year, we would have won our 10th ball game against the Vikings, right? And probably would have been in the playoffs. So I wrote a column that day and in the final part of the column, I said, uh, in this era of parody, virtually every team in the NFL plays almost plays a majority of close games. It stands to reason that all teams, not just the Packers, could cite a handful of damaging plays that turned victory into defeat. To say the Packers were six plays away from a 10 and six season and in finding being coach of the year again is to stretch the truth to absurd proportions. <laughs> okay, what else did he say? I think there's a lot of people out there who respect what I do. This is a good system. This football team is not poorly coached. We had one of those years that will get any coach. He brought the, up the injuries to Mikowski and what he referred to as fluke things to explain the Packers 10 and 22 finish the last two years. He said, um, this football team is not that far away. Now under him, I would argue that it was, but as it turned out, it wasn't because Wolf was the GM, Holmgren was the coach, Favre was the quarterback, and they turned the whole darn thing around. They went nine and seven the next year. But, but Tom Bratz had given him another second round, first round pick that maybe if he didn't have that other first round pick, he wouldn't have traded for Favre, hard to say. Chris Jackie, Leroy Butler, I mean, there were players on that roster, okay? Um, Lindy said, whoever sits in my seat next year will look awful good. As this team has success, I will feel, feel very much like I had something to do with it. His voice broke momentarily when he said how touched he was to have been given the game ball by the players Saturday night. 99% of the people in this country would love to have had the opportunities I have had in my coaching career. Very few people get to stand on the sideline to work with young men 
to sense and feel the thrills of being successful. I will take with me far more than the normal man will ever have the opportunity to acquire. Any man on earth would give virtually everything he has to be able to lead these guys. I would have done it for nothing. I'll take my memories of some very cherished football games, a win in LA over the Raiders that was, a win in San Francisco, a 10 and six season, coach of the year honors, to go around the country and accept honors from your peers will always be very special. He said 85% of the media traded, treated him fairly. Those who suggested he might not be tough enough, he said, were wrong. Quote, that's the one thing that makes me want to throw up the most, he said. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Can I keep going a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I, wish, I wish all fired, sorry, shit-canned coaches held press conferences and said really what they felt. I know. It's great. Well, I can't, they, they should Most open their, high. these organizations should let the guy speak. I, I never saw Bill Walsh berate his players to the media or Joe Gibbs. I can think of 10 or 12 coaches in the NFL who have been very successful and don't rant and rave. I don't know what toughness means. Does it mean you have to put on a facade and grab guys with a face mask or come down here Monday morning and say, Somebody played horrible and stunk the park up. That's not me, but that doesn't not mean that doesn't mean you're not a tough coach. Finally, he closed it off. Nobody's probably given any more of themselves to the community and the club. When you know that you've done your all and that all of a sudden it's taken away from you, it would be hard to go back to work right away. But if somebody called tomorrow and offered me a head coaching job in the National Football League, you don't think I'd turn it down, do you? The Packers owed him three years, a total of $1.75 million. Total. Now, that's coaching salaries have gone up to you in 30s years. And he collected almost all of it before he went back to work. Then he became an assistant, and then he became head coach of the Colts. So he stuck it to the organization there. And what did Ron Wolf say to uh, describe it? I just don't feel comfortable. And that's the reason for the move. Uh, I will feel comfortable with my own person. He said, I admire everything about Lindy and Fani and his coaching staff. We have to let the record speak for itself. And I think it does. He also said, Harlan said, the decision was made Saturday night. But um, Wolf said he made up his mind on the team's charter flight back from Minneapolis Saturday night. Harlan said that they met um, and the decision was made. Harlan approved it. Um, Harlan said he gave me his reasons. He had very solid points. And I said, fine. Harlan met with Lindy about 845. Uh, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Wolf said, you're four and 12. You're not even eight and eight. There's an excellent foundation here. If we can put the right pieces together, we've got a chance to be competitive. That's it, T. Sorry for dragging it on, but these these final days of these coaches, the final day, I don't like these statements, Tyler. You know, oh. give a man a chance to speak. Don't be afraid if you're the owner or the GM. Do you think all speak. these do they all want to speak? You think? Do you think they're dying to hold a press conference? 
was a different era then, wasn't it? Yeah. Some maybe. Star spoke. Uh, he spoke, and Fani, Mike Sherman spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCarthy never did. He got fired in the you know in the middle of the season, end of the season. Um, Forrest Gregg went to SMU, and there was no press conference. I don't believe no. Isn't it crazy though? Where where would the Packers even be today? I mean, if 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 Ron Wolf convinces himself that Lindy and Fani should stick around, yeah. What happens from there? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if Infani liked Favre, right? We have no idea. Exactly. Maybe they're hanging and clutching to Mikowski as long as possible, even though his body was breaking down. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I love I love these look backs as a as as much of our as our listeners do. It's God, you always they're know. fun. They're fun, T. Yeah. When I go back in these things and these things I've read written written you know it's kind of really takes you back you know oh i know it well 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 done on that one i wish we we gotta god i gotta keep a a tally on all these mcginn memories i don't know which one my favorite is i want to hear what 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 our listeners think there's there's been some classics that's right up there and there's been some bad ones too tyler (laughs) (laughs) let's call a spade a spade oh man all right well let's shit can this episode what do you think (laughs) <laughs> i'm all for that <laughs> all righty thanks so much for listening everybody we unbelievably appreciate it thank you people catch you next week